Good morning, Tejas. Welcome to your premier alternative news solution. I am Jake Ramirez, and I will be bringing you your daily news Monday through Friday. I'm hoping to curate news for Texans by a born and raised Texan. Today is Tuesday, December 10th. I hope Monday didn't beat y'all up too much. Before we begin, please go ahead and give us a subscribe so I can keep you up to date on your daily Texas news. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for even more updates and news. And now it's time for some Texas news. Yesterday on Twitter, which I regularly check for Texas news, I noticed something kind of strange. I noticed the tagline, not in Texas trending, and curiously I clicked on it because that's how I do my research. And uh, I found something even more strange to me. Not in Texas was trending because people were upset that <laughs> we kind of have an, what they think is an outdated law that prohibits the sale of liquor on Sundays. I'm 38 years old. I've never once thought twice about uh, buying liquor on Sundays because I immediately know you can't buy it on Sundays. And I thought to myself, maybe these people just aren't that informed, but it turns out most states don't have this law. And uh, I was joking yesterday about not letting people from other states into Texas, but now I'm kind of serious. Uh, let's go ahead and just keep those people out. Just kidding. <laughs> I forget that most states do not have this law. We have this law because we are kind of civilized and we know... Um, it's not that big of a deal to buy your liquor on Saturdays, to have liquor for Sundays, mostly because we buy our liquor beforehand so we can stay at home and watch football on Sundays, you animals. Um, weird, weird trending thing on Twitter. It's kind of funny. Not that big of a deal. Usually trending is only for about 10% of the people on Twitter. Grandson of former President George H.W. Bush is running for Congress in Texas. Pierce Bush, the grandson of the former President George H.W. Bush, says he's running for Congress in Texas. Bush going into a crowded GOP field in Texas' 22nd district, congressional district, a seat currently held by retiring Republican Representative Pete Olson, and at least 14 other Republicans are running in for the GOP primary for the sur suburb of Houston district, which will likely be a, a, the top Democratic target for this year. We face a very challenging time in our nation and on the brink of losing a generation to an idea that socialism and free stuff are the answers to their future, Bush said, when he announced his candidacy. But we all know that the socialism has failed everyone and everywhere. It's time for new leaders to stand for a conversation that empowers all Americans, placing individuals above government and ensuring that we all have freedom to achieve success in life. Pierce is currently the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Texas Affiliate, which is an amazing organization. He actually has done some really amazing things with this organization in Texas. I wish more people would focus on um, the person that's running instead of what color or what side of politics they're running, red, blue, purple. That should matter less, and what he's done as a person should add, add, matter more. Um, it'll be interesting to see how far he goes in this election. The child sex trafficking team, CSTT, in the office of the Texas governor awarded a $172,000 grant to Allies Against Slavery in Austin to launch the Lighthouse Data Initiative to analyze and visualize human trafficking data statewide. Allies is required to contribute a 20% match in cash or in kind towards the project, said John Neem, CEO of Allies Against Slavery. The state of Texas will not tolerate human, human trafficking, government, Governor Abbott said. We will use all the tools available, including cutting-edge data and technology, to stop human traffickers and identify ways to better s serve victims. 
We will reach our goal of eradicating human trafficking in all of Texas. The current landscape of information about human trafficking is fragmented. Over the next year, allies will architect a platform to collect and compare data from local, regional, and national sources, providing a clear insight about the trafficking looks like in Texas. Texas has made great strides to combat combat human trafficking, yet the hidden nature of the crime makes it difficult to see and respond to, much less measure. The Lighthouse Data Initiative will illuminate this problem so we can better understand the experiences of these victims and learn from the trends to proactively disrupt the exploitation. Stakeholders will use an analytical capabilities of the Lighthouse platform to discover previously unseen connections in the data. The goal of the initiative is to help Texas build the collective intelligence necessary to create effective data-driven solutions for human trafficking. They'll collect information related to victim identification, care coordination, prosecutions, and other related data. Uh, The idea to then layer in additional sources like relevant geospatial data, economic data, and etc. The Lighthouse will help our state increase victim identification, provide the best survivor services, inform strategic planning, and craft a policy. Traffickers are using technology to exploit what we can use for good. At the end of the day, the data is a powerful tool that helps tell the story of how we can best protect the freedom and the dignity of Texans. Now, you'll see a lot about sex trafficking in Texas because it's it's a huge deal, I think, all over the United States. And a lot of these people are actually they're actually contacted via social media platforms. So what Lighthouse is going to do is it's going to figure out which people are going to be the the easiest to track or the easiest to kind of enter into this world of sex trafficking unknowingly. And this is one of those things that we really have to we really have to be aware of because it's happening everywhere. You see these videos on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and how people are being followed home, but that's not the majority of how a lot of these people are se- sexually trafficked. They're, the, the trafficking begins from messages and uh, Twitter and Instagram posts looking for girls to do certain things, and it all seems like it's on the up and up until you're on a boat heading to Russia. So hopefully this will help mitigate some of those circumstances that lead girls down the wrong path to sex trafficking. Gentrification, the displacement of traditional inner city communities because of new development in an area is growing in the state of Texas's major cities like Houston. That's why there's three professors at the University of Texas in Austin, Heather Way, Elizabeth Mueller, and Jake Wayman. Um, They've teamed up to develop a set of strategies and tools to address it. Uh, They're listed on the, the website called The Uproot Project. Um, and Wei, who directs the Entrepreneurship and Community Development Clinic in UT Law School, said he hopes that cities as well as today in Texas history. On this day in 1928, the future television star Dan Blocker was born in DeKalb, Texas. When he was six years old, the family moved to O'Donnell in Lynn County, where his father operated a general store. Dan attended the Texas Military Institute in San Antonio and Hardin-Simmons University before entering Sol Ross State Teachers College in Alpine in 1947. After graduating with a BA degree in speech and drama, he, ref- he refused offers of professional careers in both football and boxing. He was drafted for combat duty in Korea, 
where he served as an infantry sergeant. In 1952, he returned to Sol Russ, where he earned his MA degree and taught school in Sonora, Texas and Carlsbad, New Mexico. Before moving to California in 1956 to work on his Ph.D. degree at the University of California and Los Angeles, during this time he also worked as a substitute teacher and began his career as a professional actor in Los Angeles. He played the role of Hoss Cartwright for 13 seasons from 1959 until his death in 1972 from complications following an operation on the NBC's hit Bonanza show. That's one of the longest-running and most popular TV series in history. For that reason, a monument in Blocker's memory stands in the park in downtown O'Donnell across the street from a museum which displays memorabilia from his career. That show ran from 1959 to 1972. I think only of a few shows that have ran that long, like The Simpsons, so he obviously did something right. You should really check out The Uproot Project. It's a really cool website. Local drivers admit to road rage and aggressive driving at an alarming rate in Texas roads, even more so when compared to the rest of the country. About 82% of the respondents nationally admitted to engaging in road rage behaviors themselves, and in Texas that number was up 87%. So it's definitely surprising and alarming. Um, Austin-based insurance company uh, Zebra says things like hand gestures, yelling, or doing something to make another driver feel unsafe are also considered acts of road rage. Nationally, tailgating is what prompts road rage behavior. But according to the study, distracted driving, like being on your phone behind the wheel, is what makes Texas drivers the angriest. And some locals agree. What's wrong with y'all? Do y'all need a hug? Hit me up. We don't act like this in Texas. Here in the part of Texas that I live in, we wave at everybody that we see on the street. We don't really have, I don't really see a lot of road rage in South Texas. I've definitely seen it. I've definitely been a part of it. For me, being raised in Texas, I've always kind of been one of those people that I don't even like to honk the horn. I, f- I feel like it's too rude to do. So it, this is an interesting metric for aggressive driving in Texas. I'm interested to see where most of this came from because I don't really feel like Texas is like this. And I know the behavior is there. I know that people can get angry when they're driving. It's kind of a natural thing. But 87% is a lot. Whatever's making y'all mad, y'all need to fix it. We don't want y'all fighting in the streets like people in Florida. So tighten it up. Every year, millions of children write letters to Santa Claus. And most of them don't get a response. Now, flash to Gino's stopping by in Texas. The store looks like an average deli. But inside, it's practically a secret portal to the North Pole. That's because owner Aleem Chandri is making sure kids get a personalized response from the man in the red by reading and replying to hundreds of kids' Christmas letters. It all started last year when Chandri bought a mailbox as part of this Christmas setup in his store in San Antonio. But kids didn't treat it like a regular decoration. They started dropping their letters inside of it. And last year, he wrote 60 letters by December 15th or so. We have more than that already, Chandri said. Some of the letter writers don't want presents. They simply want to ask Santa questions like, how can reindeer fly? How are you really coming down the chimney? Um, In 2008, he collected a whopping 400 letters from kids, all hoping to reach old St. Nick, and he responded to every single one. Chandri plans on doing exactly the same thing this year. Chandri put some crayons out so the kids could write their Christmas lists, and if parents go to the store without their kids, they can fill out those forms so the little kids get a better letter from Santa. I mean, what a guy. 
400 letters last year. I'm sure it's going to be much more this year. It's one of those little small amazing gestures that really makes Texas a wholesome state. And I really like seeing this even though it's helping kids stay delusional for a little bit longer. Still a real cool story. The University of Texas Regents on Monday approved a new Longhorn product licensing management agreement in a long-term deal worth an estimated $100 million for the school. The, the contract with the collegiate licensing company repartners Texas with the company that helped the school and the Longhorns logo become a licensing juggernaut starting in the late 1990s and boost its athletic department into one of the wealthiest in the countries. Texas had allowed its previous contract with a collegiate licensing company to expire in 2016, in part to save costs and to move some of its licensing efforts in-house. But the new deal makes the company's school exclusively licensed agent when authorizing the Texas name, logos, trademarks on commercial products ranging from anything from clothing to coffee cups to computer mouse pads. Now, the new contract with the collegiate licensing will run through 2032. And what would be cool is if Texas Longhorns started paying some of these athletes out of all of this money they're making because those athletes don't get paid anything and they're not able to get sponsorships. And a lot of these athletes are losing their scholarships for borrowing money from somebody. It's it's there's going to be some major changes in college football and college sports here pretty soon. Um, and I know that there's a lot of talks about it. But it'd be nice to see Texas lead the way by helping pay some, or at least give them a little bit of money for putting their bodies on the line, in the in, in especially in football, which is a very athletic sport. But either way, good to see somebody's making some money. Now, who isn't proud to be a Texan? We love Texas so much we consider it to be the best state in the country. But is it really? Obviously it is. But there's a news report from the U.S. News and World Report which says Texas ranks 38 in the best states list. Let's all collectively take a deep breath. Don't tread on us. Now let's attack this list with the pride and heart of Texas. How do they determine the state rankings? The rankings were based on thousands of data points gathered largely, largely from government and publicly available sources, as well as 71 metrics distributed across eight different categories. The eight categories were healthcare, education, economy, opportunity, infrastructure, crime, and corrections. Um, oh, and also fiscal st stability and natural environment. The U.S. News also conducted a national survey for more than 50,000 people who were asked to pri prioritize each category. People across the U.S. said that what mattered the most to them was healthcare and education followed by the state's economy infrastructure and the opportunities that the state offered to the citizens. Then fiscal stability, followed by measures of crime and corrections in the state's natural environment followed. Now, where did Texas rank in these eight categories? Texas ranked at 37 in the healthcare category, 34 in the educational category, 15 in the economic category, 33 in the infrastructure category, 39 in the opportunity category, 12 in the fiscal stability category, and 33 in the crime and corrections category, and 40 in the natural environment category. There's, I just, there's, for one, 39 in the opportunity category seems very wrong, considering we have the lowest unemployment rate in the United States. 40 in the natural environment category. Have you been to Texas and seen a Texas sunset? There's no way we're 40 on that category. 
Now, I'm not trying to ruin anybody's day, so I'm not going to tell you what states made the top 10, but let me tell you none of those states were in the South. So whatever 50,000 people were polled, they probably haven't been to Texas because there's no way that we would have ranked this, this low on a lot of this stuff. But does Texas even care? Nah. Y'all keep thinking you're, that we're bad and stay away from us so we can smooth out all of our gentrification. Now it's time for some huck'em, chuck'em, football news. Now let's start with some pretty hilarious football news. The NFL is investigating the New England Patriots for sending a scout to the Bengals and the Browns game, and it's being reported that he was caught filming the sideline. The Patriots have said that it was part of a film for a documentary series that the Patriots have been doing for their YouTube channel, which they do do stuff for their YouTube channel. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense considering that the Patriots weren't even playing in that game, but I guess they do play the Bengals next week. Dun, dun, dun. If, if I was the Patriots, I would refrain from doing anything suspect like this for a while, considering that every other year they're caught cheating. But hey, Bill Belichick really hates losing. They're not doing so well right now, so it wouldn't put it past him to kind of do whatever he can to get ahead of the game. Let's hope that the Patriots aren't caught for cheating again. This looks bad on the NFL. This looks bad on the NFL for kind of slapping them on the wrist every time they get caught too. But we'll see how this all folds out. I'll bring you more news about it as, as the week gets on. Now, I told y'all Eli Manning was going to come out guns a-blazing. That's exactly what he did. He started this game out on fire. They took the early lead, but the Eagles knew that they had to win this game in order to stay in the playoff march. Now, Carson Wentz and the Eagles did just that. The team didn't give up. They brought in a bunch of players they don't normally play. They ended up tying the game. This game went into overtime. It was 17-17. to The Eagles won the toss. They pretty much just marched down the field. They scored the touchdown. And they won the game. Now, the Eagles do need to win out the rest of the season to ensure that they're going to be in the playoffs. But what's going to be circled on the calendar is Week 16 against the Cowboys. Odds are they can beat the Cowboys on that game. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to eliminate the Cowboys because the Cowboys won't have a good enough record to make the wild, the wild card. So it's going to be interesting to see how the NFC East plays out for the rest the rest of these four games. Good job for the Eagles. They needed this win, and they got it. Now it's time for some good old Texas tradition. Let's talk about today's weather. Houston's going to have a decent amount of rain with a high of 57 and a low of 42. San Antonio's going to have some rain too. Weird. It's almost like it's going to get cold. We've got a high of 50 and a low of 36. All right, Dallas, make sure you're prepared because it's going to be a nasty early rainy day. But you have a high of 47 and a brisk low of 33. Austin will have some early rain with a high of 48 and a low of 36. El Paso is going to be partly cloudy with a high of 55 and a low of 37. Brownsville is finally going to get some good weather, but y'all going to have to get some rain first. So you got a high of 73 and a low of 46. Today in Victoria, we're going to have some rain and some wind. Wind's going to be about 21, 22 miles an hour. We have a high of 52, a low of 39. Palacios going to have a little bit of light rain too, but you're going to get some cold weather also. You're going to have a high of 57 and a low of 41. If I've missed your region of Texas, shoot me a message. I'd love to add it to my report. It's not a big deal. 
So if you want me to add it, just send me a message. Other than that, that's all for today. I really appreciate you listening. As always, please like and subscribe. Until tomorrow, have a great day, Texas.